Trigger warning. The following episode contains references to Human suffering Death Factual inaccuracies Several entitled people making light of all these things. If any of the aforementioned topics cause you discomfort, you may want to listen to a different episode. Look, I don't care what kind of scientist you are. If you talk about my significant holes again, you're going to get a punch in the mouth. I'm Andy. Sir, I'm standing on the deck and looking up at a wave, and I have to say it seems significant. I'm Sean. Look, you can't write in the report that an imaginary wave sunk this ship. Just put a big question mark. I'm Kelly. Remember, if you see one coming, don't forget to wave. I'm Adam, and this is Acid Pop. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Acid Pop. Uh, this episode, we're going to be talking about rogue waves. Rogue? Uh, yes. Rogue, like the X-Man. Oh. Who's a woman. <laughs> the, the waves that steal your powers. <laughs> they steal some power. And then you become Sookie Stackhouse. What? Sookie. I get it now. Uh, the definition of a rogue wave uh, is... In oceanography terms, a rogue wave is defined as a wave whose height is more than twice the significant wave height. Okay. Oh, is that cleared up for you? What's a significant wave height? <laughs> more specifically, they are waves that are unusually large for a given sea state. So it's not that they're big waves, is that they're big compared to everything else around them. <laughs> you could have a flat ocean, and if it was twice the height of everything else around it, that would be a rogue wave. So if it's okay. zero, twice the height would be zero. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> no! The etymology is, is pretty fun, for at least part of it. Because Rogue, right. Rogue went through quite a few different uh, variations, it seems. Uh, in the 1560s, it was idle, vagrant, a sturdy beggar, or one of the <laughs> vagabond class. A sturdy Specifically beggar. a sturdy one. <laughs> <laughs> a word of shadowy origin. Perhaps Ooh. a shortened term form of Roger, the hard G. <laughs> Roger? <laughs> That's what it said. <laughs> it was thieves slang for a begging vagabond who pretends to be a poor scholar. There's a lot of very specific things in this. <laughs> so that was how it started. Uh-huh. In the 1570s, it was generally meant as dishonest, un- an unprincipled person or a rascal. Oh, I'm rascal. Rascally waves. <laughs> and then the 1590s, one who is mischievous. Okay. We went from there to a large wild beast living apart from the herd, <laughs> uh, usually used for elephants. Oh, rogue um, elephant! And then it ended up in 1964 as an adjective in reference to something uncontrolled, irresponsible, or undisciplined. Like Earl Flynn. <laughs> That's exactly what it was. Uh, and then wave, it just Hi. means to move back and forth. It's old English, waffian. <laughs> <laughs> to wave or to fluctuate. Unprincipled uh, Waffian. Look at them Waffy in their hand. Uh, which was from Proto-Germanic Wob. <laughs> wob, wob, wob. I mean, that's a good wave back and forth sound. It's dubstep. <laughs> or Middle High German, Wobben. <laughs> the the phobias that I could find, uh, thalassophobia, obviously, for typical ocean type stuff. It's a fear of deep bodies of water, the vast emptiness of the sea, sea waves, or aquatic que- Queatures. Aquatic queatures. Aquatic queatures. <laughs> uh, or distance from land, which it has some of that in there. But uh, on a surfing website, I found there was actually a, a simophobia, which is uh, 
specifically Seismic. a fear of waves, sea swells, and other wave-like motions. On the surf, so what? Seems did a the surfer... bad thing for a surfer to have. <laughs> That's probably why I came up there. It was on surfertoday.com. <laughs> <laughs> Today! <laughs> uh, but once I found that, I was actually able to find it in like a more medical sense, and they had treatments for it. What are those? Uh, in the wave pool? And well, water? actually, one Splash of the symptoms was anxiety when thinking of waves or wave-like motions. So if you have that, then you might have simophobia. Hmm. Uh, I must have mislabeled this. It says treatments, but these are just symptoms. <laughs> uh, Don't worry, so, I have a cure. I mean a description. <laughs> uh, another Sorry. one was constantly avoiding waves or wave-like motions. <laughs> Thanks, Doc. <laughs> Swerving off the road whenever, whenever somebody in the next car is like, hi! So, that could be the ocean. <laughs> and what's the fear of things that are relatively tall? Don't have that one here. That would have been a good one. Yamingophobia. Yamay. On to our quiz. Uh, Andy already asked this one. What's the significant wave height? Double normal wave height. Well, that's what a rogue wave is. Yeah. Oh, so significant would be... The the rogue wave is double the significant wave height. Oh, I see. 100 feet. Is this a number or is this a description? It's more of a definition. Yeah, It's it's not a value. I would just say that's like the average height of waves over like... A given time, like say an hour? I don't know. If it's not a number, I would say a significant wave is a wave with enough height and power to topple a boat. Okay. Or when you see a celebrity at a restaurant. And they, go, <laughs> hey, hey, hey. And they oh, wave at oh. you. It happened. Clancy Brown. It's me over here. <laughs> I mean, I feel like significant is the key word here. So uh, now I'm gone. <laughs> <laughs> It's not that exciting. It's uh, the third, the largest third of waves in a wa- in a sea state. So okay. whatever the area has, the third largest of them is the significant wave height, an average huh. of that. Weird. So it's a rogue wave again would be twice the height of the third largest of waves in a sea state. What is the cause of a rogue wave? Seismic activity. Someone splashing real hard. Mm. <laughs> Kelly's probably Cannon closest. Ball! <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, they're specifically not caused by seismic activity. Asteroids. That would be a tsunami. There is no single cause. They seem to be a combination of factors such as wind and currents caused by the merging of waves. Mm. So it's it's kind of a wave that like gets its act together and sucks the power out of all the other waves around it. <laughs> Goes to college. Which is kind of the rogue aspect. That's going to say, so it is a rogue wave. Yeah. A um, bigger wave. I guess I kind of answered this one already. What's the difference between a rogue wave and a tsunami? Seismic activity. <laughs> <laughs> Yay. Uh, That's part of it. More specifically, tsunamis are generated by a displacement of water. So the the seismic activity is what causes the displacement. So like the shifting Mm. of plates and all that. Um, Whereas rogue waves are just really cool. Yeah, they're just they wear sunglasses. Yeah. (laughs) The other big difference being that uh, tsunamis you typically can't see out in deep sea. Whereas oh, rogue waves can happen anywhere. They were just going to say, you can't see. It's <laughs> like people standing at the beach and suddenly they fly back 50 feet. <laughs> Invisible wave. I'm, I'm wet and hurt. <laughs> <laughs> I think. I want to go home now. I don't like the beach. Here's a fun one. What's a rogue hole? <laughs> <laughs> it's a hole that's twice as deep as the significant holes around it. I believe I already said Sookie Stackhouse. <laughs> It's any hole I can fit my finger through, because on my person, that would be distressing. (laughs) I mean, Kelly pretty much got it. It's the inverse of a rogue wave, Uh. where the depth of the hole can reach more than twice the significant wave height. The problem is they've never been 
seen, or at least like <laughs> they're they're theorized. The tricky part is they don't exist. <laughs> well, they've been replicated in controlled studies in wave tanks. You've seen fiction. them in studies, and sailors have reported on them for a very long time, but. For the most part, we haven't gotten any definitive evidence. Everybody says and they that were full was drunk. of mermaids. <laughs> <laughs> I found pirate gold. <laughs> what is a sneaker wave? <laughs> <laughs> That's when a hurricane blows a boat overboard and all the shoes wash up in Africa. Oh, my shoes. That's that invisible tsunami we were just talking about. <laughs> that is a sneaker that can stop on a dime, give you nine, nine cents change. <laughs> it's a rogue wave that makes landfall, basically. Also known as a sleeper wave or a king wave in Australia. Make landfall. That means it it reaches the shore. It doesn't like Basically, peter out yeah. in the water. Okay. Yeah, it's it makes it to where it can hurt people standing around. Oh, <laughs> hurt their sandcastles. <laughs> mm-hmm. Take away their dollar bucks. <laughs> so here's a true or false for you. Uh, sallying the ship is a nautical technique for sailors to brace against the sudden appearance of a rogue wave. True or false? Can we know what sallying is? I mean, if you knew what it was, then you'd know if it was true or not. Oh. Uh, true. Fall. You sing a sad song about Jack Skellington. <laughs> it makes the wave sad. Yeah. I think that's just what you, that's just like naming a ship. Like, you know, whatever you named it. I sallied it. <laughs> all names are names, all ships are named Sally. <laughs> I'm Bodie McBoatface. <laughs> this is false. Oh. Uh, sallying the ship is, the, it false. is a real, I'm sorry. <laughs> I just, I was trying to remember what my answer was and I was disappointed, but then I remembered I said false. So I got it. Yep. Uh, sailing a ship is a technique for <laughs> all the sailors on the boat kind of run back and forth on the deck. It's to get the ship to rock if it's been beached or on like shallow shoals or something. Oh. <laughs> it doesn't help, but it's fun to do. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we tipped the boat over. Get your energy out. The problem was there are no techniques for avoiding rogue waves because for the longest time, sailors thought they were myth. <laughs> so they weren't looking out for them. Those are a myth. What caused the wreckage was sea monsters. <laughs> Rogue waves are considered mythological by most sailors and scholars, or at the very least, a once-in-a-century event. Hmm. Yeah, but I mean, there's been plenty of sailors coming back saying they've seen them, but there's been no definitive proof other than sailor stories. And you can never trust one of them. <laughs> Even Adam, Adam, Adam being the sailor telling us this story. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, no, this is, this is all true. Uh-huh. The 19th-century French explorer and naval officer Jules Dumont d'Urville... I was a famous botanist and cartographer who sailed around the world on various expeditions. But despite how famous he was, he came back and reported seeing rogue waves over 100 feet high on his voyages in the South Indian Sea, with eyewitness accounts of other sailors that saw it with him. (laughs) Uh, And they were dismissed as drunk fairy fairy tales. Foolishness. Uh, There was a a famous mathematician at the time, Francois Arago, who publicly ridiculed him repeatedly. (laughs) They called me a nerd, but look at this loser. (laughs) I'm, what was he, a mathematician, you said? Yeah, he had a lot of stuff. I'm a mathematician, but you're the nerd. (laughs) What year were rogue waves officially recorded and leave mythology? Well, that was the 1800s, so... uh, 1910. I was going to say during World War I. 1915. 2020. (laughs) We just found one. Well, Kelly's the closest. Wow. Uh, 1995, January 1st. Okay, is this, a, is this that movie, The Perfect Storm? Uh, that's an example of possibly a rogue wave, but it was uh, 1995 at a gas pipeline complex in the North Sea, 100 miles from the tip of Norway. They they definitively recorded one, and they said, okay, I guess they must exist now. <laughs> Since you have a picture and all. 
How often do rogue waves occur? Not very, I guess. Uh, less often than significant waves. Which is all the time. Ten times a year. Once a fortnight. Well, we've got one in the 1800s. <laughs> so that's And another two. in 1995. <laughs> so every 50 years. Uh, you are all wrong. Oh. Uh, it is theorized by the Australian University that 10 rogue waves exist in the world at any given moment. Wow. Other speculated each last val- a year, so I was right. <laughs> it's, it's a while. Uh, other speculated values are every 3 in 10,000 waves achieve rogue status, uh, but that could increase to 3 in 1,000 in areas where a wave energy gets more focused, such as inlets and river mounts. Huh. I don't know. This all sounds like theories, which means I could still be right. It's true. I mean, well, we'll get we'll get to that. It's hard to get a picture of waves from a satellite because it all looks flat from that high. Uh, what are the three sisters? Isn't that like corn, beans, and <laughs> tomatoes or something? What are yes. you, from Ohio? <laughs> I thought that they were the ones who passed around the eye and mm. uh, cut the cords of fate from Disney's Hercules. I tricked you. This is a podcast about the oracles in Greece. Three <laughs> <laughs> sisters. That must have been when three rogue waves came together to make, like, a rogue water spout. No, I mean, that's not how water spouts work, but we'll oh. give you a pass. <laughs> I mean, Sean's kind of the closest, I guess. Yay! It was. <laughs> it's a reoccurring phenomena of three rogue waves on Lake Superior. Oh. They are approximately 30 to 40 feet in height. Whoa. And they occur in this group of three, like, periodically. The problem is the second wave hits the deck before the first wave's water clears, and then the third incoming wave adds to the two accumulated backwashes and overloads the ship with tons of water. Huh. These are on Lake Superior, and yet we hadn't recorded them until 1995. I mean, the problem is they sink a lot of boats, so people can't report them all the time. <laughs> <laughs> the boats not have black boxes? Well, one of one of the theories, actually, and I don't know if I mention it later, is that uh, with the invention or distribution of, like, steel-hulled boats, like, more ships are able to survive rogue waves and come back and tell about it. Uh-huh. So it was all the wooden boats that were getting destroyed. That and smartphones. Yep. <laughs> Taking pictures of all the rogue waves. <laughs> it's theorized that the Three Sisters was the cause of the sinking of the Edmund, Fist- Edmund Fitzgerald in huh. uh, 1975. Famous sinking. Fitzgerald. So that does it for the quiz. So we'll move on to some history slash stories. I hope I did good on that quiz. I, I don't I don't remember. We'll have to put it through the computer reader. You have your Scantron? <laughs> oh, I was using pen. I used the number three pencil. <laughs> I just never heard of a number C. three. <laughs> Kelly's right. It's all C's. <laughs> I get it because it's a wave. More of the history on rogue waves. They kind of centered it around that Dumont to Irville. Uh, it was widely accepted that waves are, around that time could not exceed a height of 30 feet. <laughs> they hadn't invented anything that tall. <laughs> when he returned on his ship, the Astrolabe, in 1826. That's a sweet name. Journeying across the South Indian Sea like the star cutter uh, he reported encountering a gale with waves estimated between 80 and 100 feet and they said did you have a ruler on you <laughs> <laughs> did you throw a ruler in the ocean i did <laughs> francois arago mathematician physicist astronomer freemason and general smarty pants was quick to dismiss the claims as highly imaginative <laughs> uh, later in his 1841 report on the results of the venus expedition Arago made further references to the, quote, truly prodigious waves with which the lively imagination of certain navigators delight in covering the seas. <laughs> <laughs> wow, really throwing a lot of shade. He really hated people talking about how tall waves could get. <laughs> now, I've never been on a boat, but I do know what an idiot looks like. 
You are some stupid person thinking a wave is bigger than 30. Since the 19th century, oceanographers have used a statistical model called the Gaussian function to predict wave heights. Uh, the Gaussian function assumes that waves, wave heights are closely grouped around a central value equal to the average of the third largest in the current sea state, and that freakishly large waves up to 98 feet are not impossible, but are likely to only occur every once every 10,000 years. Wow. <laughs> so it killed the dinosaurs. <laughs> <laughs> this model was the only estimating tool for waves for the last 100 years. Huh. So based on that, waves could not get taller than 30 feet. And if you saw one taller than that, you were stupid. <laughs> or or it been 10,000 years since the last time. Yeah. <laughs> so is this just like resonant frequency on the ocean? Like sometimes things just line up just right and it just Basically, this random spike? It's just, it's just chaos theory, kind of. Huh. Like enough waves get together at the right angle, right speed. Like yeah. I said, the one kind of steals the energy from other ones around it. Rogue waves weren't actually mentioned in an official scientific article until Professor Lawrence Drapner published his article, Freak Ocean Waves. <laughs> Dude. <laughs> judgy. This was in the 60s. A lot of judgy people in these wave sciences. And it wasn't until 1995 that the first rogue wave was definitively recorded. Which brings us to the Drapner wave. Drop it like it's hot. Uh, constructed in 1984 by the Stat Oil Company. The Dropner platform was a gas platform in the North Sea. It was a hub for natural gas being extracted about 100 miles off the coast of Norway. The platform is equipped with state-of-the-art sensors intended for recording the height of waves underneath the platform, and the rig was built to withstand a 1 in 10,000 year event of a 64-foot wave. <laughs> I was about to ask how tall it was, so if it's, gonna, if it's less than 100 feet, they might be in trouble. January 1st, 1995, the significant wave height was 39 feet. So all the most of the tall waves are about 39 feet. Right. That's pretty tall. Pretty tall. Pretty big waves. I could take it. <laughs> the platform sustained minor damage when the Dropner wave hit, measuring 84 feet from trough to crest. Wow, so it's taller than the platform. Taller than it was meant to withstand in 10,000 years. <laughs> no. Well, that's good engineering then. Yeah, I mean, the, the fact that it survived at all is pretty good, I think. Uh, so this kind of blew the lid off the whole rogue wave thing, and then all the scientists kind of scrambled to prove all of it and make sense of it all also blew the lid off the dropner platform <laughs> it's like a tea kettle meanwhile the ghost of an old french mathematician is flying around laughing at them ridiculing all of us laughing in his french laugh <laughs> <laughs> i'm just picturing all the other sailors who had reported them before that like yeah we told know you. we uh, told you <laughs> maybe if they weren't telling all those other stories about sea monsters and <laughs> yeah no, Maybe those true. are real, too. <laughs> Maybe. Researchers from the Statoil uh, Company published a paper in 2000 after collecting evidence that rogue waves were not, in fact, rare events of slightly non-Gaussian sea conditions, but rather quite typical huh. of strongly non-Gaussian wave population. Huh. So just having a... I'm not getting on a boat. <laughs> <laughs> this paper was just said, not rare. Well, there was actually quite a few stories I found of... Uh, the great big ocean cruise liners being damaged by rogue waves. <laughs> like none of them were particularly interesting other than the fact that like big wave came, broke windows. Smash. Now room wet. <laughs> <laughs> Some people died in those, but usually oh. it was from like the glass exploding and impaling their face. <laughs> do it. Uh, since these revelations and the publishing of the paper that proved all of it, uh, we've used, you know, countless expeditions and satellite imagery to find more rogue waves. That's how we get the statistic that there's at least 10 in the world at any given point. And they've recorded waves up to 95 feet tall. Wow. I'm curious how you get a picture of a wave from a satellite. Like if you look down at the top of a building from a satellite, it just looks flat because you can't, you can't get height information from that. It's like lasers and stuff. Like they can lasers and stuff. <laughs> they can measure heights. Well, yeah, but not 
Not from that high. <laughs> Sean says it's impossible. <laughs> well, I Sean used to do. Of, are, what are you, a French mathematician? <laughs> <laughs> well, I used to do What's LiDAR your last scanning. Name? <laughs> LiDAR scanning goes down in quality by like, you know, it goes down by a few millimeters over a few hundred feet. If you're going miles and miles, it's going to go, the quality is going to go down a lot. I, I mean, I assume there's some margin of error, but they didn't really. They're either 95 feet or nine feet. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I forgot to move the decimal. So then we have some that basically covers the history and Science. how we got up to not considering them folklore. Uh, so we have some specific stories of uh, rogue wave events, starting with the Eagle Island Lighthouse. Mm. Uh, it's one of the earliest recorded events that was later attributed to a rogue wave. Uh, it's the incident at the Eagle Island Lighthouse. Off the west coast of Ireland on March 11th, 1861, it was being buffeted by a severe storm, uh, safely standing a full 200 feet above the high water mark. Wow. A rogue wave reportedly struck the lighthouse, shattering 23 window panes, dousing <laughs> lamps, and washing all manner of equipment down the stairs. Oh. Reportedly, the base of the lighthouse was so full of water from that the front door was impossible to open. Uh-oh. Holes <laughs> were said to be drilled through the door to drain the tower. What? <laughs> And the little Dutch boy came and plugged it up. The little <laughs> Get out of here. And how did they explain that? <laughs> like, if they were like, there's no such thing as these waves. It's just like. <laughs> Who let all this rain in? <laughs> Why'd you put Who a hole in our door? <laughs> Who left the faucet on? <laughs> <laughs> was taking a bath and. <laughs> yeah, you'd think with something as definitive of that, like something would have come of it. But <laughs> God did it. The tower and lamps were not able to be repaired and relit until the following day. So they were completely flooded and broken until they were able to fix it a full day later. Did any ships crash? It does not say. Oh. <laughs> they probably got washed away by that giant wave. <laughs> yeah, they were all gone. They all died in the same event. <laughs> they, the lighthouse got blamed. <laughs> Our next story is the USF, USS Memphis. Hmm. Uh, August 29, 1916. USS Memphis was at anchor a half mile outside of Santo Domingo the capital of the, of the Dominican Republic. Uh, shortly after noon, uh, heavy swells began to roll the ship, and it was decided by the captain to get underway. <laughs> well, let's leave this awful place. <laughs> it's making me seasick to my tummy. <laughs> Getting all the boilers up to steam, because that was the kind of ships they had at the time, it was expected that they could start moving by about 4.30. <laughs> it takes a while, okay? <laughs> Just got this flint and some wood shavings. We need to get out of here eventually <laughs> i'm in a hurry at 345 an ochre wave was seen approaching it was what described that as that color oh spanning in the entire horizon and estimated to be 70 to 100 feet tall wow uh, by 425 the ship was listing over 45 degrees letting water pour into the gun ports and ventilators 50 feet above the water line <laughs> so look out boys a myth <laughs> take cover Boiler fires were being doused by water flooding in, and the ship's propellers were battered against the bottom of the harbor, preventing the ship from escaping. <laughs> I guess we're not leaving after all. It's one of the rogue waves. Ah, that's sissy stuff. This is Poseidon. <laughs> Who angered Poseidon? I told you not to kill that albatross. <laughs> uh, finally, an hour after being seen approaching, the first of three massive waves struck the ship. Wow. The 70-foot waves crashed, or washed men overboard and pushed the ship a half mile to land, where it, could, where it came to a stop under some cliffs. I wonder what they did with that hour. <laughs> <laughs> Just sat there watching like, it like, huh. mm. well, does that no. look real? She could really get out of here. <laughs> yeah, we could probably go like up, up the mountain a little ways. <laughs> well, they were a half mile from land. Oh. 
until the wave pushed them really close to land. <laughs> until they were up on the mountain anyway. Uh, in 90 minutes' time, the ship was resting fully on the bottom of the harbor. 43 men were dead or missing, and 204 were seriously injured. Wow. <laughs> Government said, bad driving, huh? <laughs> Why did you guys crash into this cliff? Some of it was, uh, you know, being washed over, the cl- the water battering them and stuff. Some of it was boilers exploding. Oh. Um, why did... Why do boilers explode speed. when they get extra wet? <laughs> <laughs> They're already pretty wet inside. Yeah. Uh, the possibility of this being the work of, the, of a tsunami has proved unlikely, as there was no recorded seismic events recorded in the time of the Caribbean. The work of angry gods is slightly more likely. <laughs> that is still being disputed. It is thought that the waves were generated by three hurricanes that were active during the, a period of months to, around that time, <laughs> generating larger waves that coalesced in the, into the event. Uh, were three waves, three hurricanes. That sounds like science. One free hurricane. That's not yeah. bad. Every hurricane has three waves inside of it. <laughs> <laughs> the one that gets out is the one that you feed. <laughs> <laughs> Spooky. <laughs> uh, next is the story of the MS Munchen. Uh, Dece- but Munchen. <laughs> <laughs> December 7th, 1978. The cargo ship MS Munchen departed Germany on her se- uh, 62nd voyage across the Atlantic. Uh, sailing straight into a storm, the conditions were deemed acceptable. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like they didn't learn a lot in the previous seven voyages. As the ship was considered practically unsinkable. <laughs> I've heard that repeated many times over the course of the voyage. No, that I don't know about that part. Five days into the voyage, at roughly 3 a.m., an SOS signal was received in Morse code by a Greek freighter. So about that unsinkable thing. <laughs> Uh, badly, badly fragmented, most of the message was unintelligible, save for the phrase, <laughs> 50 degrees starboard. Taking, taking this meaning, the ship was listing 50 degrees to starboard. Wow. Uh, multiple automatic emergency signals are also received around 4.40 until 7.30. Help! Help! Uh, many ships and tugboats were mobilized the following day to find the Munchen, including a German aircraft carrier. Oh. Uh, Ten-week mayday calls were heard at regular intervals, mentioning 28 persons on board, the same size as the Munchen's crew. But they were... It kept they kept going at regular intervals, and it was the same message. So it was like a recorded thing that was playing from somewhere. Huh. All in all, the search involved 13 aircraft and 80 ships of various types and nationalities. But besides some various debris, the ship or crew was never found. Wow. They stole everything on board and just went to the Bahamas. I thought you were going to say the bottom. Yeah. <laughs> just went to the bottom. You can do is record a message on a ship and just set it to keep playing? Uh, I mean, we never had to do anything like that, but I guess it's possible. Huh. The one telling piece of wreckage was the starboard lifeboat, specifically the block from which it had hung uh, when installed on the ship. Based on the warping of the metal, it was determined that the lifeboat had been wrenched from the side of the ship by a huge force running from front to back. Also carved into it were the words, it was a wave. <laughs> Bad wave. Uh, the lifeboat had been hanging 66 feet above the waterline. Jeez. Wow. Well, that sounds it- like a kraken. <laughs> that could be a kraken. Need to call Pythagoras to work that out, but it's 50 degrees. It's going to be a lot closer. It depends on what side of the boat it's on. That's true. <laughs> Officially, it was determined that the storm had created a, quote, unusual event. <laughs> <laughs> My, how strange. <laughs> Isn't this weird? Uh, <laughs> uh, that led to the sinking the of the... Of that led to the sinking. Uh, this was a time before rogue waves were confirmed to exist. Yeah. But years later, the investigation was revisited with the updated model of rogue waves. It is now theorized that an 80 to 100 foot wave crashed down on the ship in the night 
destroying the bridge and flooding the lower decks. Can you even Man. see the wave in, at night in the sea? It sounds terrifying. Yeah. I like the original report better. Something weird happened. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Something weird happened to it, and now it's gone. It's so weird. Just imagine looking out at the horizon being like, shouldn't the stars keep going down? <laughs> I see nothing but stars out one side of the boat, nothing but water on the other. <laughs> So after the wave hit, destroyed the bridge, flooded the lower decks, uh, there would have been no ability to steer the ship anymore, which means that uh, it would have sort of turned with the direction of the waves and then being then it would have been broadsided by the rest of the waves, Oof. eventually capsizing the ship. Smash. Wave smash. Why did he sound like a dork? <laughs> <laughs> uh, the last story I have is more of a, a footnote. It's the Usulet wave, which I don't really know how to pronounce. It's some British Columbia thing. <laughs> it's U C L. U-E-L-E-T. Euclid? Euclid? Oh. It was near Euclid, British Columbia. A a sensor buoy recorded the most extreme rogue wave ever measured. Oh. I'm flying! (laughs) (laughs) I'm in the air now! (laughs) I'm not supposed to be here. Uh, While it's not the tallest wave that's ever been recorded, it was extreme in the sense of the, the significant wave height in the area at the time. It was the angriest. At 58 feet tall, it was three times the size of any of its neighbors. Yeah making it the tallest rogue wave ever relative to the given sea state. Huh. This was, anybody want to guess when, what year they recorded this? Yesterday. Uh, well, it's got, it must be like GPS equipment in it. So after that, so like 2000? GPS. Going back to my 2020 guess. It was 2020. Wow. Yes. November 17th. So good news, the waves are getting worse. <laughs> Hooray. <laughs> why. They're getting angrier. Uh, so that's that does it for my stories. Anybody have any personal wave experience? Not really. When I was uh, a kid, my dad had uh, jet skis and I go jet skiing on lakes a lot. And like lakes tend to be pretty flat and you can just shoot out, you know, across the water and it's great. But then I went jet skiing on the ocean for the first time (laughs) and I didn't quite understand that you need to like regulate the throttle. So I would just go like full board, like a 10 foot wave and then launch off the top. Yeah. It's like, Oh, now I'm falling 10 feet. (laughs) I learned pretty quickly not to do that. So I can say wave height has a significant impact on the things that happen there. Well, that's one of the things they make mention of looking up the rogue wave stuff is that it's not just the ocean. It can kind of happen anywhere. Water's moving. Yeah. Your cup. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. So, suddenly my water attacks me. <laughs> what do you say the significant wave height is in this mug right now? Uh well I had one in the navy is uh we were doing what was called a tiger cruise at the time where Rare. it's not as exciting as it sounds. It was <laughs> like at the end of the deployment we stopped to unload all the ammo so they let some people's like family members come on board. <laughs> we just shoot it at Virginia. <laughs> Take that. <laughs> Bad news, Virginia. We had a calm void. We didn't use it all while we were over there. <laughs> it's happening again. <laughs> Why do we still live here? They let some people's family members come on board for like the couple days it takes us to get back down to Florida. We have the aft lookout whose main job is that it is to be the last person to see anybody who might fall overboard. Oh, I was going to say things are still shrinking, sir. <laughs> Last person to see them because after that they're gone and no one sees them. <laughs> exactly. Give them one final rogue wave goodbye. <laughs> see ya. And I was standing, I was in watch rotation one of those nights and there was a storm and normally we would secure the aft lookout because it can be dangerous back there. But because there was a bunch of civilians on board, they didn't want to secure it in case anybody was being dumb. 
Why? So, just because they couldn't trust the civilians not to like go out on deck and look around at night and get washed overboard or something. So you needed to be able to move and say, hey, go back inside. Well, the aft lookout doesn't even go anywhere. We just stand at the back of the ship and look for people that have gone overboard. Yeah, I was just say, what's the point in not tying you down at that point? I, don't know. I, okay. I mean, usually they'd let us go inside and look out a window. Oh, but because there was the civilians on board, they said we can't do that right now. So I remember being back there and there's some like stand up like diagonal pointing like missile launchers that's right next to us. And there was waves tall enough that they were coming up on deck and like they were getting about ankle height and there was these missile launchers right next to me. So I'd hop up on the missile launcher and hold (laughs) on to it while the wave went by and keep my my socks dry. (laughs) Then a much bigger one came along (laughs) and I hopped up on my little missile launcher and held on. (laughs) And then I looked up and and I I knew it wasn't going to be enough. And the wave swept through about chest height. (laughs) And uh, the only thing keeping me on the boat was me holding onto the missile launcher. <laughs> no, and fire. I was the F lookout. <laughs> I was gonna say there would have been nobody to see me. <laughs> you have to report your own disappearance. Well, I had a headset on. I suppose I could have before I got I swept fell. away. <laughs> Send help! Did they let you in after that? No. <laughs> so that might have been a rogue wave. I don't really know. Oh. And after that, you had wet socks. Yeah, and, none of my socks and were wet. boobs <laughs> and my shirt and my sleeves. <laughs> Yeah, but it's the socks that suck. No one likes squishy socks. Uh, So I guess we can move on to our game. Indeed. How much is your street cred worth? (laughs) Or are you a bad enough dude to carve a bomb 100 foot sneaker wave? (laughs) (laughs) I looked up some terms. (laughs) So there's a 100 foot wave approaching you and you're on the coast of Australia. Do you surf it? Do I? Or how, how much to make you surf this? Oh, I have oh, never first, surfed. can I take some surfing yeah. lessons? <laughs> we, we can assume that you are good enough to stay on the board. Okay. As long as the strap is still tight. Uh, I have some other terms here if you want to use them in your, uh, in your oh, wagers. Okay. A chunder is a totally unsurfable wave. Uh, if you're clucked, you're scared of waves. Men in gray suits or Noah are sharks. Oh. A nug is a good wave. Paddle puss, a person who is afraid. <laughs> Why did you look at all these scared terms? <laughs> it was just the fun words. And uh, a shaka is the, is the surfer hand sign. Uh, I see. I don't know. I'm bad. Well, now that I have the vocab, Boy. I feel like I can handle this. I don't know if I could sw- shred the sweet nug. <laughs> <laughs> Some tasty gnar, bro. It's like a super nug. Yeah, 100 foot wave. Like, I don't know if you'd survive that coming down. Maybe there's a 10-story building I could land on just in store. <laughs> you kind of coast in. Dink. It's a good way to get to the, the office. Destroyed. <laughs> and, and watch your office be submerged. <laughs> By Poseidon, the new CEO of the office. <laughs> I'm not too worried about the water as what's under the water. Is There's a lot of coral <laughs> and rocks. And Let's you know, say like, the wave is the only thing you have to worry about. Okay. I think I'd do that. You know, it would hurt. I, but I've I've <laughs> I've shot myself across the water at about sixty miles an hour before, and you know I knocked the wind out of me, but I was okay. Sean's gonna take it on a jet ski. <laughs> <laughs> that'd be as I go upside down. That'd probably be a bad position to find myself in. Do a barrel roll. Woo! <laughs> I don't I don't know. So Sean's Maybe. doing it for free. Uh, I don't know about that. <laughs> Let's not go. Do there I get goes that a brave far. idiot. Do I get the Nobel Prize for, for shredding? <laughs> if there's such a thing as a surfer Nobel Prize. Am I the first person to ever have surfed a rogue wave? Hmm. I didn't find any stories about it. Let's say yes. 
And I'm going to get sponsorships. Yeah, I'm yeah. going to write an academic paper. <laughs> I think 10000 bucks. I'd probably do that. Yeah, that sounds 10, about 000? right. If I've got the talent, I can stay on the board. So Until the wave wipes you out, I guess. Yeah, and then, well, if the 100-foot wave was approaching, we were all going to be wiped out. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. Might as well take it head on. Yeah. <laughs> Or you just wait on the beach and stand on your board ready for it to hit you. Get to the Whomp. very top, and as I fall, go, this is a cool way to die! <laughs> Do I get a dramatic Point Break-style goodbye first? Well, remember, this is your street cred. Like, you're going to get a ton in street cred. <laughs> yeah, but I need Johnny Utah standing on the on the shore being heartbroken as I, I go Utah. off to my death. It's Point Break. Is that Point Break? Yeah, point break. <laughs> I don't have ever seen Point Break. Yeah, we'll Why is his last name Utah and he's surfing? <laughs> Uh, no, he 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 was born in Utah, and he rebelled against it so much. Like he was dancing in Utah. Yeah, he was dancing in Utah, and they said you can't do that here. And he says, "Fine, I'm going to go surf, Dad. I'm, I'm going to stop surfing these waves on the Great Salt Lake." <laughs> this is not the movie. <laughs> <laughs> well, Andy kind of had me convinced a little bit. I'm actually not sure about that name. I'm pretty sure, but I won't Google during a podcast. I'll do it for a hundred thousand. 100,000? That seems pretty reasonable to me. Like, 10,000 I don't think is going to be enough to cover the medical bills if I survive. We'll be in Australia. <laughs> yeah, oh, that's a good point. And all those surfers are definitely going to help you out if they survive. <laughs> yeah. Oh, are there a bunch of surfers? Are we all taking it on? No, you're the only one brave enough. Oh. I say, I don't really want any other, you know, <laughs> bags of bones Obstacles. out there to get in my way. <laughs> are you granted Australian citizenship for being so <laughs> gnarly? <laughs> Yes. The prime you minister greets you formally. Your arm? The prime minister surfs up next to you. <laughs> Gives you a medal. Here you go, bro. I'm going to go with Kelly. Like 100,000 sounds pretty good. Especially if I don't have to worry about the health care. Okay, so I think that does it for us. Thank you for listening, and we will see you next time. Bye. Johnny Utah. <laughs> My joke makes sense. <laughs>